Prostate cancer is one of the most common cancers among men in the U.S. However, with proper diagnosis and care, it can be successfully treated. But it when it comes to being screened for prostate cancer, there's a lot of information to consider. I'm Laura Wheatholder. I'm a registered nurse and community outreach coordinator with Blessing Health System. We're talking with Dr. Robert Johnson with the Blessing Cancer Center to sort through that information and get the facts about prostate cancer and screening for the disease. Dr. Johnson, thank you for joining me. Can you take a second just to introduce yourself? Sure. Um, my pleasure of joining you. Um, I'm Dr. Rob Johnson. I'm a radiation oncologist at the Cancer Center at Blessing, um, and I've been here about six years, I think. So we're starting out um, just talking again about prostate cancer. First of all, um, risk factors. Obviously, um, you know, this is a disease that is affecting men, but what? Uh, who's at risk? What are the risk factors um, that, that people need to be aware of? And so we kind of divide folks into what we call an average risk, which most folks fall into, and then a higher risk of developing. We know in the high-risk category, those are typically African-American men. They're also individuals who might have a first-degree relative, like a father or a brother that has previously been diagnosed with prostate cancer at an early age, usually what we say is younger than 65 years old. And then the very highest risk is um, some folks who literally have a first-degree relative, again, father or brother that had it, you know, diagnosed in their 40s or 50s. So. not um, not necessarily the the risk factors related to like lifestyle as much as you might see with some of the other cancers. And that's true. There are a few. We there's been theories a little bit that a higher fat diet may have some increased risk for individuals, but and we know that it does tend to run in families. Um, but it isn't like some of the others, uh, some of the others exactly right that we can say, hey, this lifestyle that you're doing, we've looked at it. Smoking doesn't seem to increase the risk uh, for prostate cancer, although it increases the risk for many other cancers, but I don't believe prostate. And and so now you hear a lot uh, just about screenings in general. It seems like there's constantly kind of changing information out there. Prostate screening is not not any different. Um, and, and there's various types of screenings for prostate cancer. First of all, talk about the types of screenings um, that, that people might want to consider. Sure. And I, I want to give kind of just a bit of a background on it. The uh, most common screening tool we use is a blood test called a PSA, prostate-specific antigen. Um, it really started being used a lot in the 80s and then into the 90s. Um, one of the difficulties was that um, the higher it went, the more likely we might find prostate carcinoma, but can also go up just with the size of the prostate increasing in many men through their life. Um Prostate cancer itself runs a wide spectrum. A lot of prostate cancer may be indolent. It may not be very aggressive. Um, And yet, on the other end, it certainly can be aggressive. It still represents, I think, about the third or fourth leading cause of death for men in the U.S. And so the pendulum kind of swung. We used to recommend PSA screenings every single year. And then around 2014, Um, the U.S. Preventative Task Force and the government kind of said, hey, we don't think we would recommend routine screening for a while, and it fell off of doing it as a routine. Um, The pendulum eventually kind of is swinging back because we were seeing more advanced prostate cancer. And so what what happened with that adjustment is that PSA um, should be, PSA uh, blood test 
is usually a test that would be very good for a patient to talk to with about with their primary care doc, kind of look at what risk factors they do have if they're in the average risk or above risk. Um, and then the pros and cons. If we go forward with a PSA screening, which leads to a biopsy, know that that might lead to a um, diagnosis of an indolent or slow-growing cancer that may or may not need treatment. Um, and yet, if it's not screened, we probably would not find that until it's in its later stages. So PSA screening is kind of coming back. It's called a shared decision um, with the primary care doctor or urologist, radiation oncologist, just so you know the ins and outs of the PSA. But I think one thing that changed a lot is urologist, uh, radiation oncologist, when we see um, lower risk prostate cancer patients, and those are very well defined in this, what we call a risk stratification, we're much more apt to recommend active surveillance in those individuals. And active surveillance is active surveillance. Oftentimes we would add a digital rectal examination um, with those folks. Um, it can be helpful. It's not the most accurate in the world, but we can feel hard nodules sometimes that may lead us uh, to want to um, uh, look further in on what that individual has in their prostate. Um, I think the other testing that we can do is with the PSA, if it's going up and we're concerned, we have now access to uh, MRIs that can be very helpful. It's uh, one of the MRIs is a three, three, what they call three Tesla, which is just how strong the magnet is. And um, we have one that is uh, um, going to be working here at Blessing. Those are the ones that we need to look at the prostate. And just like we do with mammograms and ladies, we'll assign um, a uh, suspicious suspicion level to what we see on the MRI, and we call it PIRADS. Uh, it's BIRADS in breast cancer, and goes one through five. And when those get in the higher level, we're, we know that very likely we could find prostate cancer if we biopsy that individual. So I think that's probably the most common screening tools. So it sounds like, um, and, and we hear this a lot with other screenings too, it's a very um, individualized decision. There's not really one size fits all. You're going to look at family history, personal risk factors, and all those things before you decide what type of screening is right for an individual. And that's true. We have some guidelines um, age-wise. If you're an average risk, we usually recommend that they start screening um, at age 50 and then usually continue that on up for at least 20 years. Um, if they do have that higher risk feature, African-American individuals, or if they have a direct family relative, um, first degree, then that's usually starting at age 45. And, and then that, is it annually with the... That, with that's, a, the that's an excellent question. And that's where it becomes a little complicated. The, the doc can help with that because there's guidelines out there and it may, it oftentimes could be yearly uh, or every other year. Um, it, that kind of, yeah, people get used to saying, hey, good, I just get screened every year. And and they'd almost rather do that sometimes than have to remember which year they're needing to get screened. Sure. It's a, it, it is kind of, it's, it's hard to keep track of some of those sometimes, but I think it's one of those that uh, underscores the importance of having a primary care doctor who's helping guide you and, and helping you make those decisions. Now, I agree. Yep. In, in general, when we talk about men's health, um, are there other screenings, other things that you would recommend that people are doing that they should be doing or keeping maybe in the forefront and they're talking about their overall health, um, you know, I, not just necessarily prostate? 
And I would say two other um, cancer screenings that are particularly important, colon cancer, and I think folks are pretty well uh, knowledgeable anymore about that. Oftentimes, a colonoscopy is what we'll try to do. There are other ways to um, screen colonoscopy, and if it's done and it's negative, it's good for 10 years, and that's a, that's a pretty good screen. And um, but we can remove polyps that are early and and avoid locally advanced colon cancer or rectal cancer when we do that. So that's been around. And and I think we do a pretty good job in the country right now getting folks to their colonoscopy or some type of screening for colon cancer. And it, and it also is important because that age group seems to be getting small, getting um, less, you know, it's, we're seeing many more people in their Mm forties, which is kind of scary for that. So it's important to screen. And the other one that I would tell you to push hard, um, that I'd like to push hard is, um, low dose lung CT screening. So that was been in the works for probably 20 years. Long time ago, we used to try to just get a chest X-ray on everybody who smoked. That wasn't very helpful. We did a big national trial looking at low-dose CT, and all that means there's not much radiation dose associated with it, um, so it was pretty tolerable. It's a very quick exam. We don't give dye with it or anything, and what that trial showed was that we could find early pulmonary nodules that have a risk factor as well that if we would biopsy them, we might find cancer. So low-dose CT uh, screening for appropriate individuals is the first time we saw a survival advantage out of lung cancer screening. But they are specific guidelines. You typically have to have what's called a 20-pack year smoking history, meaning let's say one pack a day for 20 years or two packs a day for 10 years. Um, And you have to have either continuing to smoke or have quit within the last 15 years. Um, Those individuals are all good candidates for low-dose CT screening. In the country, it's picking up, but we're still not getting nearly the number of people who are candidates for the screening who are eligible for them to be screened. Is there, for the low-dose CT, I know you said PAC history and, and, and current or former smoker, is there an age or is it just the smoking that's the, the big determining factor? No, you're, you're right. It, we typically will start um, around age 50. And then that will continue um, usually up till they'll they'll say 75 years of, of age. And I think in the um, because it's now covered under Medicare and most insurance companies, I think oftentimes we'll see 50 to 75 or 50 to 80 is the is the range that we'll see. And the the point of all of that is we have a lot better tools nowadays to treat those early stage lung cancer nodules um, than we ever used to. And so cure rates been been helped if we can find it early. So I think that the big takeaway is, um, it, you know, if you're, you know, a man who maybe has not considered some of these screenings, think about the PSA, think about the colon screening, uh, low dose CT. If you're a smoker, talk to your doctor and, um, you know, get the screenings because, as you said, the cure rate, the the treatment options are much more advanced than they used to be. Yeah, and there's just a difference between males and females. Females tend to be more engaged with, you know, these screenings. They're they're they kind of keep track of it, and the men need a little push. <laughs> this is very true. It's very yeah. true. Uh, is there anything else that we missed that you would like to share today? Anything that you feel is important um, as a takeaway for for men or women or their wives, anybody who's listening that can maybe help get them uh, pushed into the door to get these screenings? 
Sure. And I think it's it's probably what is commonly said. Um, um, if a person is smoking, anything they can do to cut down or stop smoking will decrease their risk over time. And so it's our biggest risk factor that we see. And a lot of people think it's just for lung, but it's, it, it gives us an increased risk for a number of cancers. So um, smoking cessation is still a big, a big push that we'd like to see. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And, and again, you can always find more information on our website, blessinghealth.org. Thank you again, Dr. Johnson. You're very welcome. Take care.